Welcome to Let's Talk Native on this special Sunday, November 3rd. I am John Kane, and yeah, let's just say this program will not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment. We do encourage and in some cases start conversations, but we don't do prayers and we don't do buffalo speeches. We take a tough look at history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity. And we do uh, step on a few toes along the way oftentimes. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking into all that is heaped upon us, and we do it all right here from the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind people that our audio streams live at www.letstalknative.com. That's our website. Uh, we stream video of the show on our Facebook group page or pages uh, via Facebook Live. Our shows are available as podcasts on your favorite podcast platform after our live broadcast. And we take the video and we put it up on our YouTube channel, uh, which is Let's Talk Native TV. I encourage people to subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, because we, we put special uh, special pieces up on the YouTube channel. Not just uh, video of the show, but short form videos and, and, and some you know, sometimes other, other nuggets. We'll just put it that way. Um, I'm John Cannon, the show's host and producer, and I'm usually assisted in studio by Jake Proud, but Jake is out sick tonight, so I'm trying to I'm trying to do it all myself here. So bear with me if I, you know, hit a few wrong buttons or uh, or don't don't quite get the uh, get something down <laughs> down quite right. I haven't been doing this on my own for a while, so this is this is a little bit new to me. All right, let me uh, let me get right into it. Um, so, so last week, our, our last show, which I think is a very good show, and if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It, it's, I spent a great deal of time um, explaining what genocide was and where the word comes from uh, uh, and, of course, why it applies to us. Um, but one of the things that, that we, we battle with all the time is, is definitions, like, like for genocide, but also things like racism and white privilege and you know this white privilege thing is something that white people enjoy it but man do they want to be in denial about it so i want to talk a little bit about about white privilege and and it and it does tie back to um uh to our last show talking about the definition definitions of of genocide and such because if you it, for one thing, if you can get over the, the obstacle and, and stop denying that white privilege exists, the question is, where does it come from? Well, and that's pretty simple. I mean, the, the bottom line is white privilege was written by, for uh, white people uh, in, in all of the foundational documents, not just of the United States, but many of the European countries and, of course, all, all the colonies. So if you look at the documents, if, if you look at you know every doctrine every practice every uh you know law de declaration all of these things that, that have been done even the more modern ones i'm not just talking about the, the papal bulls clearly the papal bulls you know come out of a out of a time where where the white people of europe took over um christianity essentially i mean they turned jesus into a white guy um and of course you know he's a white guy because um uh you've seen all the drawings <laughs> so so you know that you know it's it's white baby jesus and and of course even the apostles does anybody ever notice that that the the names of the apostles sound like just regular white guy names i mean matt simon john andrew bart her bartholomew bart um you know james phillips uh you know thomas the only one that doesn't sound like somebody you know is judas nobody calls their kids judas but but even those names how did they get so white sounding? You know, for one thing, you know they, they they translate this stuff, and you know, and so the the names, yeah, they change over time, right? But 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 uh, so I mean, you, you think about how Europe whitened Christianity and then claimed it as their you know their religion, their state religion, their or their uh, their, their I don't know racial religion. I don't know. I don't I don't even know how to how to describe it, but. All of the uh, the the papal bulls, all of the the decrees that came from the pope, and and of course, um, at, at the time when when these these papal bulls come down, there is only essentially one church, the Catholic Church. They haven't been separated yet. They have, they don't have Protestants yet, right? So 
all of these these papal bulls are really geared towards advancing white people. You know, of course, advancing Christians, but but again, although they aren't Christian isn't euphem, isn't a euphemism for white, they become pretty interchangeable. And I know you know some scholars on the subject don't like to turn the 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 doctrine of discovery into into a racial decree, but it, but it, it certainly is. So, and and look as we talk about American history. There's still probably plenty of people who want to reject the notion that the, that the United States um, and the and the colonies that preceded it were had their foundation in these in these church documents. Okay, <laughs> so even if you don't accept that as truth, even though it's truth, let's look at the documents that are the foundational documents of the United States: the Declaration of Independence. I mean, come on, I mean, Declaration of Independence. There is, uh, you know, that they are um, they are talking about. Uh, white people. I mean, when they. I mean, I'll pull it up here. Um, yeah. So when they say we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, they aren't talking about people of color. They are talking about black people, and they sure as hell aren't talking about native people. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Hell no. Only white people can pursue happiness. So. Even as they're talking about all men, they still only, and of course, if you're going to get into the gender thing, look, we could argue, okay, well, by, they mean mankind, but well, whatever. It still says men. So that all men are created equal. Everybody else, no, you're, you're not even close. I mean, when you, when you go through this stuff, you realize that, it, that it's absolutely geared, geared towards, uh, only towards white people. And in fact, later on in the Declaration of Independence, they refer to Native people as just merciless Indian savages, that we, that we are merely tools of Great Britain. Now, of course, their, you know, their, their mother country, those are, men, those are men and created equal, but, uh, but they talk about just, you know, and, and where justice comes in. So there's no question that the, one of the, the, the key foundational, much raved about, raved about uh, documents, the Declaration of Independence, was not talking about all men or all people. They were talking about white men. And, and there's, there's very little doubt about it because that's what they were dealing with. Or that's who they were trying to protect. U.S. Constitution, same thing. You know, we the people, they don't mean everybody. They, they ever, I mean, the, the language is clear there that black people are being treated a certain way and native people are being, you know, are, are, aren't even a part of this thing. But when you look at, you know, at, at all the language, it's, it's all geared towards white people. I mean, there's nobody, or white men, there's nobody else talked about in there. So when, when, so you ask the question, well, where did white privilege come from? It comes from the very documents that create the country for crying out loud. I mean, and so there's no question about that, where it comes from. And of course it is sustained. I mean, you move you move on to the to the Bill of Rights. I mean, when people talk about the, the First Amendment, and and of course they always make it sound, oh yeah, our, the founding fathers they they thought so much about uh, separation of church and state. Why do you think that was? So freedom of religion. Do you think when they when the founding fathers of the United States were talking about freedom of religion, you think they were talking about native religion? Hell no. You think they were talking about Judaism? Of course not. Islam. No, they're talking about Christian religions because by then there was already tensions amongst the Christians because they they obviously can't get along. So when they're talking about freedom of religion, they just mean freedom to choose what kind of Christian what kind of Christian you're going to be. They weren't they were you know saying freedom they weren't even really saying freedom from religion. So to be clear, again, this is about white people, white people's religion, Protestants, Baptists, Lutherans. Mormons that would come later, I guess. But but all no, Moravians, all the no, this is all about white people. The Puritans, the you know, the Dutch. I mean, all of this stuff. No, this this is about white people. White people's religion. Freedom for white people to choose which religion they follow. No, they weren't gonna acknowledge hell. I mean and, and I have problems with the, with these kind of laws, but they it wouldn't be until like nineteen seventy eight that the United States would pass a law that was called the Religious Freedom Act that, that where Native people could practice, uh, could, could legally, as far as the United States was concerned, practice their own 
belief systems. We, I don't even like calling our, you know, our culture a religion. But the problem is, if we did a, a festival that somebody else could look at and say, oh, that's, that's a religious thing, I mean, they literally would, would, not, would not just arrest people, but kill people for doing stuff like that. So, no, none of that freedom of religion stuff was, was about uh, religion or, or any kind of belief systems that, for anything other than for white people. And like I said, even Jews weren't really considered white yet. Yet. So this was about this was about, about Christianity. And, you know, and, and all of it. The right to assemble? They meant white people to assemble. They were talking about, you know, I, the whole idea, uh, uh, you know, of, of the reservation system was to, yeah, they weren't trying to assemble us. They were trying to confine us. So, and look, and, and these are the foundational documents of the United States. So there's no question where white privilege comes comes from. Okay, now we move on. And we'll even get to, to some of what I talked about in the, on the last show. When, when people, when, after the, 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 the wars that came out of Europe, both World War I and World War II, there became a real effort to talk about things like human rights. But again, they're still talking about white people, folks. So when they put these conventions together, when when denationalization was being talked about, they weren't talking about Africa. No, they were they were talking about these smaller countries of Europe that were being swallowed up by other you know so these smaller groups of white people being swallowed up by other groups of white people, something they had been doing for centuries, thousands of years in uh, in uh, among white people. They've been they've been wiping out each each other's cultures and jamming them together and creating you know kind of remnants of other cultures that's how they become christians in the first place they didn't no, no european religions uh, survived so they had they had to appropriate one from you know turn uh, turn jesus white you know turn all these apostles into you know john bart and james bart one of the simpsons Jeez, go figure so i mean again so when, when you really break some of this stuff down you you realize that it's all about white people. So when these documents, when these things like denationalization and then ultimately coming in when I talk about um, Raphael uh, Lemkin developing the word genocide, he still, it doesn't matter how much when you look at the definition of genocide or anything that was written about the word at, at, when, it was, when it was a foundational idea. So back in the, in the 1940s, it doesn't matter how much it seems like they might have been talking about us. They weren't. They, they weren't talking about us. So all of the stuff about, you know, trying to cr- uh, turn denationalization, the idea of stripping away somebody's national character into a war crime, they weren't talking about do- what the- you could still do it to black people and native people. You're just going to do it to white people. Damn it. They were, they were going to protect each other. All white people are created equal. They have the right to choose certain things, and other white people can't tell white people what to do. Uh, of course, within their hierarchies, they can, but but not as as peoples, right? Not as groups of white peoples. They're all supposed to get along. Uh, you know, they were they were all related, after all. You know, more closely. But they were they sure weren't talking about people of color. They were they weren't talking about you know Asia or Africa. You know, or or, you know, or our our continent. No, they weren't talking about us. I mean, even when when there was a, uh, became this idea of decolonization was was a, an effort through the United Nations. They still weren't really. T- I mean, they were talking about some peoples of color, but they sure as hell weren't talking about us. In fact, in the midst of having conversations about decolonization, the United States steals Hawaii for crying out loud while conversations are going on about decolonization the united states not only has gone in uh, with their own own imperialism to steal land and, and to and to illegally occupy places like hawaii but in the midst of those they, they turn it into a state or try to whether it's legal or not is a whole other issue so so no even a lot of the un stuff it all sounds good on paper but it was never meant for us. Now, here's where it gets problematic. Because even when you go back into things like the U.S. Constitution, you get to a place and they have to somehow, how do you reconcile the fact that, no, they weren't talking about people of color? And they, you almost got to like back it in, right? 
look, slavery is wrong because we, we actually said we wrote these words and we built a country on these words. Um, so we kind of got to get rid of slavery. <laughs> yeah. How'd that go over in the South? So all of this stuff, see, they write these words, they mean it for white people, and then they got, they got to try to pretend, oh, no, we didn't mean just white people. Yeah, but how are other people living? I mean, so you, you, you can't, you did codify white privilege, but now you got to back away from the white privilege. And so now everybody wants to pretend, oh, no, white privilege doesn't exist. I'm white, and I don't have any special treatment. Like, hell, you don't. I mean, it's such an absurd thing. If you're a person of color and you hear any white person say that they don't enjoy white privilege, I mean, it's like, oh, come on, be serious. I mean, the, the country was built, you know, all of these documents was all about white people. I mean, when I, when I quote some of what um, uh, L. Frank Baum said in his genocide editorials, he talks about the white race. You know, be, being the lords and, and the masters of, of the Western Hemisphere. So he wasn't talking about Americans. Uh, yeah, no, Alfred Bob wasn't talking about, about Americans. He was saying, no, white people. Because you can't, you got to be careful when you're using words because you know what? At one point, they, at some time in history, white people were calling native people Americans because they didn't really want to call themselves Americans until the whole War of Independence thing came, came around. Then they wanted to like try to separate themselves from the monarchy of you know the European monarchies, but no, I, I again. So when you talk about things like white privilege, you have to understand where it comes from and why it's sustained. Because even as you know, as many people can say, wait a second, you got language in there that says that people are supposed to be equal. I mean, women can't, I mean, even white women haven't been able to pull that one off, let alone, you know, uh, people of color or women of color. So when I hear, anytime I hear somebody say, oh, no, uh, no, I don't have any white privilege. The hell you don't. I mean, and, and it is so clear if you look at it historically. I mean, you can find president after president after president making a reference to uh, to. Uh, white superiority no I mean they were all white supremacists Teddy Roosevelt oh absolute white supremacists <laughs> then they go and they carve his face on you know <laughs> steal a bunch of land from the black or from the Lakota wipe out a mountain that, that they already had named for their own grandfathers and then carve four white faces on there and every one of them were genocidal maniacs every one of them you know, by look by any standard, you should have been uh, viewed as as a war criminal. And of course, they didn't have those kind of those charges. But I'll tell you, by the time you can get into nineteen thirteen, when we're talking about denationalization becoming a war, being considered a war crime, and genocide being defined and being called a war crime, coming out of the um, uh, the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide. And that's, you know, 1946. The United States is still doing the very things that genocide includes, like ripping kids out of out of homes and stripping away their culture, stripping away their language, beating them, abusing them, um, sterilization. All of that stuff was still happening. The, the only thing that wasn't happening in a wholesale manner was the slaughter of Native people. So the, but killing people is only one of five, you know, um, examples of uh, of genocide. Killing is only one of them. I mean, do, causing bodily or mental, uh, you know, psychological harm is one of them. And geez, our people are still going through that. I mean, it, it, you look at the the current president of the United States. I mean, some of the racist comments that he. Had, I mean, the whole idea of his his thing with trying to use the name Pocahontas as a insult for Elizabeth Warren. I mean, all that stuff is blatantly racist. And racism is a social crime. I mean, it, 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 and it's one of those things that is intended to impose psychological damage on people. So, that, oh, no, that stuff still continues. But, it, but again, one of the things that's, that, that becomes a, um, 
a problem for these people who create these documents, like the Constitution, like the Declaration of Independence, like the definition of genocide. You may have written all that stuff just for white people, but we can read. (laughs) We can read what you wrote. And what you wrote and what you did were two different things. You know, and and then when we hear people say, yeah, but, uh, you know, it it was different times back then. Look, there was never a time that, uh, that a black person wanted to be a slave. There was never a right time for slavery. I mean, it existed, and it was popular amongst white people. There was never a good time to have your the top of your head cut off um, and turned in for you know as a scalp for um, for bounties. For, for there was never a good time for that. There was never a good time to to have um, a woman's breasts cut off so they could make pouches out of out of the breast, or a man's uh, scrotum to be uh, to be sliced off so they could make a pouch. That, and you know there was that was never a good time for native people. So when you when anytime somebody says, well, you know, Columbus was a man of his time, or you know, or Custer, or Sheridan, or Washington, or Jefferson, no, they were all scumbags. Some of the some of the disgusting things that these people were involved in. Thomas Jefferson, considered one of the most enlightened presidents, uh, you know, of especially of the founding fathers. This is a guy who, who absolutely conned people and say, hey, look. We should be nice to the nice to the native people. We, we really can't kill them anymore unless they do something. Then we can kill them. But but here's what we can do: we can convince them that we love them, and and we'll trade with them. And and you know what? We'll give them lines of credit because here's the thing: when they borrow more than they can pay back, they'll lop off that debt with their land. Now, where did I come up with that? This is a letter from Thomas Jefferson to William Henry Harrison, who would actually be prime president himself. Telling them, this is how you, you've got to convince your merchants to run Native people into debt. I mean, you talk about the, the, the mortgage crisis of 2008. This was a strategy in 1803. And you know what? All men weren't created, created equal then. No, that's not the way it works. So, no, I mean... When, so when you to, to have a debate with somebody and they want to try to deny white privilege and we can come up with examples exam, after example after example of what a white person never has to worry about and I'm not just talking about hailing a cab so, you know look they, they got these you know if they got these biblical names hey I got one of them you know, John Cain right <laughs> and but but if you've got one of these like standard biblical names, Jesus, even my last name is out of the Bible, Cain. Holy crap! I, I should, man, I should have tried to use his white privilege more. I got I get the names for it. But anyway, no, I mean you don't have to worry about if, if you got a name that that sounds you know like that's not doesn't sound white, a native name or or an African name or a name that is you know comes from you know from Islam or even. Or, or Judaism it's not so bad for Jews now but it was pretty bad for a while but white people never had to worry about that if you had a name like Smith or Baker or, or Harris no you don't have to worry about stuff like that in fact if you had names like Johnson and Thomas it wasn't a problem until all of a sudden a whole lot of black people started being called Johnson and Thomas or Washington. Yeah, how does that happen? I'll tell you how, how how it happens. Slavery. How do you think how do you think all these black people ended up with these white names because it was their masters that you know oh you have to have a last name. Well we were never afforded a last name. We were slaves. Same thing happened with native people. They just they just threw last names. Sometimes they gave the they doubled up the, the first name with the last name. That's how we end up with names like like um uh, John is the last name here. I mean, why would... I mean, there was actually... Again, I don't want to pick on anybody, but there's actually somebody called um, John Johnny John. I mean, that, that was a name. because, And that's just white people writing this stuff down. I mean, we didn't use words like like that, names like that. Most of our names were, were in the language. But because white people couldn't say it, nah, well, we, we gotta, we're going to call you something else. And that's and that's what wipes out a bunch of it's it's crazy right now even on Facebook if you have a name 
like a native name, even if it's a, a, um, a native name that's like English, like, you know, I don't know. Um, uh, like um, uh, Iron Eyes, for instance, Chase Iron Eyes. <laughs> there, there's an example. If you've got a name that's, that's, that's a translation and it translates to something like that. And so that's now being used as your given name. Facebook has problems, right? You know, no, no, you got to prove that it's a real name somehow. So unless you've got an English sounding name, you can't even get past the, the Facebook algorithms to, to set up an account. I mean, this is the, the, again, white people never have that problem. Little, little piece of white, right, white privilege right there. No, white people never have that problem. And, and of course, you know, you think uh, we were talking, I did a, um, um, a racial equity conversation at uh, one of the local radio stations, TV stations. And somebody brought up a great point about how, you know, it's not just that you have a concentration. I mean, the segregation is, is real and it's, and it may not be mandated by law like it used to be at one time, but now um, the institutions that stop people from being able to move you know, so the mobility issue keeps black people trapped trapped in an area. Now, this isn't a problem for Native people because many of us want to stay on, on our own lands. But when you're talking about economically depressed areas of a city and black people get stuck there, the other, the flip side to that is not only do you end up with these areas that have a high concentration of very poor um, uh, black people, but you then you take a place like Lancaster, New York, that has this incredible... <laughs> Um, concentration of white people and in fact it's almost you know um, Polish and, and Italian I mean, and a, very you know um, not a whole lot of diversity even amongst the white people there so you have you know we're 98% of the population how does that happen I mean how, how do you end up how do you know, some affluent black people not make it into that I mean how are they kept out because it isn't about money. It's about how you look. And there, there are other ways to manipulate, manipulate concentrations of where people will live. Asian, you know, Muslim, you know, African. You know, even if you're, I, and, I, and I say that, um, and they, they're not very accurate terms. I'm not talking about people who, who are from Africa. I'm just saying of African descent, you know, or perhaps have a, um, an Arab background. So Muslim is even, isn't, isn't even accurate. Indian uh, um, ancestry doesn't matter if you be born in the country though you, you know born and raised in the United States even a couple of generations but if if you got that look and if you got that name that kind of gives it away you're not gonna live in a place like Lancaster so this is you know so people will not want to deny that white privilege exists I mean, and and of course, you can look at everything like income, you know, a wealth dis distribution. I mean, um, you know, all of that stuff. And and it's clear that that white privilege exists. And, and I'll tell you, if you're a poor white person, it wasn't because you were white that you're poor. You got some other problems going on because you already had the leg up. You're you're, you're look, you you won the the race lottery. Because the whole system, from the Doctrine of Discovery to the Declaration of Independence to the Constitution to all of these, you know, this international, you know, human rights issues, it was all about protecting you. Yeah, we, we, we pulled some of it out and, and said, wait a second, this, these words don't say white people. No, they never said white people. They just meant white people. All right, we're at the we're at the bottom of the hour, so uh, we'll uh, we'll take a break here with a little bit of song. I'll catch my catch my breath a little bit. Um, yeah, this is a this is a good one. This was uh, uh, again my buddy Murray Porter, and this is someday I'll never learn because that's kind of the way it goes. Yo 
Someday I'll never learn, and that's kind of the way it goes, you know. I mean, there's there's a lot of that, and man, I tell you, native people are are really just full of it. I, I gotta tell you, because we don't learn. I mean, every time I, you know, and of course, you know, I talk a lot about whether native people should vote and 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 the things that we need to do, um, to really kind of address issues, you know, that that we should want to address. We still. Not only do we struggle with our own identity, but even within the so-called leadership in a Native community or the legal counsel of a Native community, you can't get straight answers. I mean, simple question. Is, I'm, I'm, we're broadcasting from the Cattaraugus Territory of Seneca Nation. Can I get a straight answer, uh, an official straight answer from the Seneca Nation or Seneca Nation's legal, legal counsel, whether... Is this land part of New York State? Is it part of the United States? That's that's a question that, that people kind of hedge about. They, they don't even want to even take it on. See, the assumption is that it is. And, of course, that ties into everything from voter registration to getting a ticket on the highway or, you know, some federal funding, maybe some state funding, you know, all kinds of stuff. So... The question is, I mean, look, do you want to be take a strong stance on something like that? Not knowing that it could have, you know, maybe some, I don't know, uh, it could cost you something? Forget about the benefits of such a thing. That's not even where we're going. Look, I just saw, you know, a friend of mine just posted an article you know, in, in, on some um, state media site talking about whether the state should um, uh, equalize taxation on gaming so that native casinos are paying the same tax rate that non-native casinos are paying i mean completely ignoring the fact that the state can't tax native gaming but see here's there's that revenue sharing thing that the state has turned into a tax you know by almost you know by practice they won't call it that but that's not the media is calling it a tax the media is saying, no, uh, native casinos should pay the same tax rate that the non-native casinos are paying. Or the non-native casinos should pay the lesser tax rate to match with the, the taxes. And they keep saying that word taxes. They're not saying revenue sharing because revenue sharing is voluntary. I mean, it's an agreement. Okay, no, we're, we're going we're gonna to share with you. But if it's mandated, then that's not sharing. That's skimming. That's, that's taking. Oh, and, and in this situation, because it's not a league, it's not legal to tax uh, native gaming. It's extortion, because it's saying you do this or else. And of course, they won't really come right out and say it. It's always loaded. And of course, the newspapers all get it right. Well, the United, the New York State won't won't approve a gaming compact. They'll they'll they'll, they'll shut them down. The, the the loaded part of all that stuff. Again. <laughs> This is the this is the racial divide, right? You know, I, I did a show, I don't know, several, maybe a month ago where I said, look, if you refuse to recognize me as a distinct people, that I'm not a New Yorker, that I'm not an American, I mean, unless I want to be. But if you refuse to recognize that, that's racist too. I mean, your, your failure and refusal to... To, to have enough respect for me to, me to choose my identity based on who I am, based on my history, a history that far predates yours. Yeah, that's racist too. 
Hey, look, I want to get into it too quickly uh, before I thank my sponsors. I want to thank Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses. I want to thank Eric, Eric White at ERW Enterprises. I want to thank my good friends at uh, um, Native Wholesale Supply and Grand River Enterprises for, for supporting the show. Uh, it is how we do this. It is how we have this conversation. Because I'll tell you, <laughs> I know the sh- last show that I did talking about the, the real details of genocide, most people use a word like that. They'll use words like sovereignty and genocide and not really know what they mean. White privilege is another one. So to talk about this this week in this way is so people understand how how white privilege came to be because it was written into law even without ever saying white. Because it's but it was obvious because you can't say all men are created equal if some men can enslave another or if you if it's legal to kill a, a person based on the color of their skin whether it's a bounty or not. I mean, keep in mind when we talk about uh, you know the, the slaughter of native people, it wasn't just the massacre at Wounded Knee or Sand Creek or the Moravian massacre or whatever else. It was bounties that were paid for people. People just kill an Indian, you get paid. That's what they said. But there was also this whole idea that if a native person didn't stay confined to a specific area, designated almost like a like a prison camp, a reservation, if they were off the reservation you could regard them as a hostile and, and a hostile could be killed. So it was legal to kill native people. And you know what? Even when you get past the point where, you know, like the, um, uh, the, the, the era of, of lynching black people, native people have been uh, lynched too. If you don't prosecute the murder of people, it may not be that murder is legal, but it kind of is. It's kind of legal if, if nobody ever gets prosecuted. That's why we have missing and murdered indigenous women. The reason that's a problem isn't just because white men have sexualized native women to the point where, you know, where they think that women can just be taken, raped and murdered, left on the side of the road. But no, there's no consequence for it. There's, not, there's no investigation for it. You know, we get into sometimes a lot of the conversation about suicide. Even those numbers are tough because do you know how often the death of a, of a Native woman gets, gets listed as suicide, even if it wasn't or, or it may not have been? Why? Once you list, listed a suicide, case closed. You don't have to worry about you know, you can just say that she took her own life. I mean, it's happened time and time again to people that I know. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, this, uh, this is again part of the, the conversation that needs to be needs to be had. And of course, the other thing that that um, that, that comes up is okay. Well, but what do you do about the past? So, you know, people talk about reparations. When I hear a white person say, "Well, well you, black people don't need reparations," look at Oprah. Oprah, you think because one woman got a black woman got wealthy. That that solves the problem? Mitch McConnell literally said that the election of Barack Obama for two terms constituted reparations for black people. No, he, he said that. And of course, if you make that argument, then you could say, say the same thing about um, you know a couple of Native people getting elected into Congress. And I'm not just talking about uh, Hallen and Davids. I mean, there, there, there have been people, that uh, Native people who... Jump ship. They become a part of that system. Most of them don't do a damn thing to help native people. And and some, you know, kind of put, you know, you know look, uh, um, uh, Ben Nyhorst Campbell, yeah, he'd throw on a headdress and everything when it came to, we're going to open up a museum? Oh, yeah, we'll do the ribbon cutting. He'll throw a headdress on and everything. <laughs> but you know what? He got into, uh, uh, when he ran for Congress, he was a Democrat, switched sides, become a Republican, and as a senator, he was a Republican. Now, I'm not saying that, that you know, the, the Democrats are good and the Republicans are bad. It's not that simple because racism spans, you know, those spectrums. And, and there's no question that it, there's no question about that. Look, we got a, we got a governor who's a Democrat who's, a, who's about as racist as they, as they come as far as Native people are concerned. Yeah, I know he can. You know he 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 can you know talk a good streak about you know uh, equity and that kind of stuff. But look, when you hear some of the comments that he's made, 
Mayor of Niagara Falls, the one who's going out the door, uh, you know, uh, after the election on Tuesday. Democrat, racist as hell. It doesn't matter that you know the party. I mean, and and again, let's be clear. You know that the whole thing about Obama being you know the good president. Dakota Access Pipeline was built under his watch. Yeah. Um, so I mean. And and there's plenty there's plenty of examples of of Democrats who have had terrible policies towards towards Native people or people of color in general. So yeah, don't don't give me the whole Democrats are good and Republicans are bad. I mean, Republicans are bad, and 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 the ones that um, the current crop of Republicans they are the worst. And part of what makes them the worst is the system. Even even any of those Republicans who would like to speak out against trump can't because they're so afraid they can't get elected because people run for office to run for office that's the way the system works and there's an awful lot of money it's not their salary there's an awful lot of money that comes from from being in office look at mitch mcconnell's wealth how much it's increased since he's been in the senate so i mean you just have to talk about some of that stuff i mean but yeah this idea that that they're that you know that um a native person or a black person who shows some success is proof that that there's equality now oh come on it's not even close hey i gotta mention something else here uh, um, before i run out of time uh yesterday the reason we're doing a show here on sunday night because sunday night's not our night saturday night is is because last night i was at the native american music awards and i'm gonna say flat out say it um my wife looked stunning she was uh she was absolutely beautiful and it was um you know it it, it, it look i understand the whole dressing up thing you know people can get you know they can criticize that just like anything else no we weren't wearing regalia we were you know she was wearing a kind of a formal nightgown or i mean uh, evening gown and and i was wearing you know a black suit so but you know I, it, sometimes it just it just it just feels good to show like um we can't be outdone <laughs> and and my wife wasn't outdone by anybody. She she looked great last night. So I got to say that. Hey, and out of the the neighbors, I got a chance to meet um, the band members for Portugal the Man. And I, I look, I was impressed with these guys. If you don't know who they are, check them out. Um, one of the things that that they do when they perform, wherever they perform, they go through an incredible effort to locate the people who are indigenous to an area. So no matter where, whether it's Alaska, whether it's the Southwest, whether it's the Southeast, no matter where, where they go, they try to find, well, who are the indigenous people here? Even if they're not here anymore, they'll try to find somebody. And whether that, um, they can get some, some dance or music, you know, song, um, you know, speaking, poetry, whatever. Some, they, they begin their show by advancing the indigeneity of the, of the people from an area first and and i might work with these guys a little bit we we had a bit of an exchange and um i want to thank uh, amy spark for, for connecting us up and um so yeah i think i think there's some some potential there to to do something you know kind of interesting kind of neat um look i enjoy going to the to the native american music awards but i'll, I'll tell you um one of the things that is on just an amazingly clear display is assimilation and look i understand people believe different things and that kind of stuff but when you get somebody on a stage you know singing uh singing a song or or, you know, or doing a spoken word piece and and they want to they want to try to just put native spirituality and christianity together so they'll go on there with their crosses hanging around their neck and they're saying oh we need to consult our elders our spiritual elders. No, who are you talking about? A priest? You're not up there advancing native culture. You both had crosses hanging around your necks. And that's not, I mean, look, these people clearly haven't talked to, the only elders they talk to are, are Christian elders. And, and, and I'm not trying to condemn that. But that's what gets on such, I mean, it, it becomes so much on display so much about prayer and you know i know a lot of native people say well yeah we pray well i don't know that we did i mean i think that's that that was an indoctrination i mean there are things that we did 
to demonstrate for our young people why you know you know a, a respect and thanksgiving we did we did those kinds of things but the idea of of you know hands and knees you know or on knees hands folded you know praying to you know to the creator i mean as Haudenosaunee we i know how many people say that but when we talk about even the right-handed twin and the right left-handed twin they that's not the creator I mean, even when we use an expression like he who created, it didn't mean that he was a creator of all. He wasn't God in in the white sense of the word, but that's what we did. I mean, when we bury people, we've become so indoctrinated into the Christian way of of, of viewing spirituality. Oh, they're they're taking their, their journey to the creator. Well, maybe some native cultures viewed it that way. But Haudenosaunee, no, they return to their mother. I mean, that's literally what we do. We we return our loved one to their mother. There's no part of our funeral service that talks about our people crossing over to the sky world. There's nothing in our in, in our funeral service that talks about returning to the sky. No, it's returning to our mother. But that's what that's what's happened. And and I see that sometimes. It's just on such blatant display, and not just at something like the Namies. And I'm not, I'm not picking that, I'm picking on the Namies. I mean, look, I've gone and I've spoken at conferences, and when they open these conferences, they'll get some holy roller up there giving us give, and uh, giving a, a an opening prayer, not the ohundo gurdi with that not the gununyo, not not an acknowledgement or a thanksgiving address. Oh no, Lordy Jesus, Lordy Jesus, Lordy Jesus. I mean, a native conference. A group of native people talking about something that's important to us. And we got to listen to 10 or 15 minutes of Lordy Jesus. I mean, pray, be, we get up in the morning. If, you, if that's what you believe, pray before you come. But we don't have to, we shouldn't have to be inundated with that stuff. I mean, because, I mean, sometimes I feel like I want to respond to it, which would be really inappropriate, right? It's not inappropriate to have that stuff shoved down your face. But damn sure would be inappropriate if we responded to it. So I don't know. You know, and, and of course, I don't, um, I mean, I don't, the whole veteran thing is, is, an, is another issue. And that, that gets on full display. I mean, look, Wes Studi was honored at the at the uh, Native American Music Awards last night. And of course, he, won, he, he received an Oscar. I mean, he's done a lot of good movies. And he plays, you know, he, he played, you know, almost every Native I mean, they, they give a list of uh, all the different um, Native peoples that he played. Paiute, Mohawk, Cherokee, you know, Apache, uh, Navajo, right, right down the list. And look, he's been in a lot of movies. And, and, and it's noteworthy. And he is the, the most accomplished Native actor ever. I mean, and I, don't, I think that's, that's pretty undeniable. But I don't know what the hell he did in the Army. I mean, that's not why he's up on the stage because he was in the military. And we got to start this, you know. I mean, and that's that's glorification of war. Look, to, um, today is the third day of November. So this, and I, I don't want to say traditionally, but this, this month oftentimes gets designated by the President of the United States as National Native American Heritage Month. I haven't heard those words out of Donald Trump. I did hear... He tried to dedicate this month towards veterans. Of course, Veterans Day comes up in, in, the, in the month of November as well. I think in next week or something like that. So, again, most of the U.S. holidays, in one shape or in one form or another, are the celebration of war. I don't know how a people evolve and get, and, and, and get to a higher level of, hum, of humanness if they're forever glorifying war. And shame on us for doing it. Because we're not even glorifying our people who fought for us. We're, we get consumed with glorifying our people who fought for them. The same armies that killed our people. The same system of military system 
that 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 literally slaughtered our people and misused our people when they enlisted yeah i know everyone wants to uh, you hype up the, the code talkers but you know look they were trying to kill our language until they could weaponize it but and again you know i'm i'm not trying to you know necessarily you know attach this or blame the the, the names for this but it just seems like as native people we almost can't go anywhere without having a a religion imposed upon us the you know the uh, this military service thing i mean are there any powwows left that are not somehow a veterans powwow i mean i i just asked a question i i don't know i mean i gotta assume there's some i mean i know there are festivals like the um uh the the, the green corn that the the um pequots do and you know and there, so there, there are festivals that we do but but the ones they get, get they get labeled powwows and i'll tell you even those the first who are the first ones they bring down when they do their grand entry veterans guys who served and not warriors not native people who fought for their own people to defend their territories push back against the state or the federal government no they never get pushed on the, on the front line no only the guys who wore a u.s uniform or canadian uniform you know and, and again i don't, I don't want to be consumed by all that i mean there's so much going on you know we're, we're into the, the the nutty part of uh you know the american election system the the canadians just finished theirs and and we get pulled into and sucked into all of that you know i get into a debate with people about about unity you know, look the the idea of us standing with each other as we as we fight for things as native peoples absolutely i agree with that 100 percent. but we don't need to become homogenized we don't need to become the the pan-indian thing that hollywood's tried to do to us or in some cases we try to do to ourselves no every territory needs to prioritize what they need and we should all help each other attain uh, attain those needs and when I say attain, I don't mean lobby Congress to give us something. I don't want a damn thing from Congress. I don't want a damn thing from Deborah Hallen, yeah, or or Sharice David, or you know, or you know, Donald Trump, or, or or Governor Cuomo, or any of these you know state legends. No, I don't want anything from them, other than to be left alone. Stop taking from us. I don't need a piece of federal legislation to fix up my life or to fix the, the lives of our people on, on any, any one of our territories. Now, we get into this debate over money all the time. And of course, all of that money has some sort of strings attached to it. Correct? There was a program that, that you know, the Senate Nation had, had, um, um, had applied for some program, summer program. And in order for an 18-year-old um, male to participate in this summer youth program, they had to provide proof that they had uh, registered for the draft. Now, I'll give the Senate Nation credit. They, they, they pulled it. They said, no, no, we're not, we're not advocating that. But having said that, it is still difficult to find any Native territory, the leadership in any Native territory, that will, will come up with a definitive and clear-cut answer to every native youth who approaches 18 years old. They won't come and say, not only do you not have to register for the draft, I mean, they they certainly will never prohibit it, which I think, I, I don't know, people have different opinions about that stuff, but they won't even discourage it. This gets back to the same, why do we have identity problems? Because this white privilege thing is so important that people of color oftentimes try to see if they can't, let me just tap into it a little bit. I mean, why do we, why do we you know, be, um, sign up for their religions? Do we really, I mean, honest, I mean, do we really believe all that crap? I mean, Noah, the Ark, really? 
walking on water, bread, bread and fish. I mean, come on. If you heard that about anybody else's culture, you'd go, right? But no matter how absurd the stories of the Bible are, including the, the, the origins of the, of, the, of the planet, it's got to be, uh, it's true. Not like any native creation story, which, you can, you know, which can be dismissed and, and out of hand. Look, our identity is for us to decide. And, 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 our, and our identity should be, should be framed about understanding who we are. I mean, it isn't just about rejecting Christianity or rejecting you know, state or federal or, or military or any of that. It's not just about rejecting that stuff. It's, because how do you reject that stuff if you don't even have enough of your own identity to, to hang on to? We should understand that it is a privilege, not white privilege, native privilege. What does that mean? And, and, and this isn't about whites. This is about supremacy. This isn't about native supremacy. But I refuse to push to be an, um, an American U.S. citizen with just some special native rights. No, I'm not interested. Not interested. And shame on anybody who is. We should be proud of who we are and we should fight for the benefits that we should be able to create for ourselves. Fight for the right to create benefits, not, not ask for benefits, not ask for things. I don't need legislation. I don't need you know funding. I don't need any of that stuff. Just let we we can make our own. Um, look, the Santa Nation had to pay a billion dollars in New York State for bullshit. That's a billion dollars that they'd have. No, I'm sorry, a billion and a half that they'd have. They gave out more money than than they received. And you know what? I'm not even saying that this. I mean, the state and federal government owe us. This isn't just about reparations. This is about language that, that was involved with, with, with cession of land. We're still paying a toll as we go on the goddamn throughway. Never should have had to do that. Never. We, we pay tolls across a bridge sometimes, uh, even international bridges. Native people have never surrendered our right to travel to pass on our, on our ancestral lands. Now, I can't speak for what white people have given up because you still get white privilege. And we know where it comes from. Every goddamn document that was ever drafted for, this, for, this, for, for the United States was for white people. Written by white people, written for white people. That's the, that's the origins of, of white privilege. So anyway, that's our show for tonight. I wanted to talk about it. I want uh, I just... I want people to understand. So, uh, again, I, I want to thank you guys for, uh, for, for listening and for being, uh, being a part of the show. And we'll, uh, we'll go out with uh, another Murray Porter song. Thanks. to somebody let them know talk to your friends let your feelings show even if it feels like there's nobody don't let go sometimes it feels like the walls are closing in Sometimes it feels like You'll never fit in You know lots of people love you 